Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, guys. Welcome to our show. Today we discuss about a very interesting topic because you can learn how to track B2B software as a service, brand performance. And I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Angeli Mullins. How are you? Good. Nice to be here. Yeah. I, I love your hair. You know, uh, I decided to invite you to my podcast because I check out your hair. Then I got it. <laughs> you know, under this hair, we have a lot of great skills. So I'm so excited to learn more about that. Before we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background, and why you decided to share with us about this topic and a short story about your Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure, that's a lot to fit in an introduction. Um, I'm currently the CMO and CGO of Latana. We're a brand tracking and consumer insights platform. My experience goes back 20 years, everything from international expansion, working with Amazon to Intuit QuickBooks in the United States, B2B SaaS software, and GoDaddy, domain registrations and website building. You know, etc., and have done business in so many markets around the world. So both SaaS and e-commerce. Um, what is awesome though about brand tracking? So this is one of the questions I get asked so many times, especially what I would say with hyper growth startups or even companies that are just trying to get to the next revenue level of growth. A lot of companies tend to focus on what I would say traditional demand generation techniques and tactics, which of course include paid marketing, a lot of paid search, et cetera, programmatic advertising. And what happens is that these companies hit a wall and they hit that wall because they don't start with the basics, which is their product market fit, which is their brand perception, their brand identity personas, making sure that they're really targeting the right audiences. So this is where brand tracking and brand performance comes in. And it's really the foundational step that a lot of companies should be taking first and should continue that to grow. And so usually you'll find more growth acceleration in the mid to later stages if you do this at the beginning. Yes, love, love your experience. Awesome. Okay. Uh, can you tell the main difference between tracking B2B and B2C, uh, how uh, to differentiate uh, this tracking? So brand performance tends to be a lot easier in B2C. It's consumer driven. It's usually highly transactional. Consumers, they want a product. So take a pair of Nike shoes, for example. Nike has a very nice and well-evolved brand. It becomes very simplistic. Where B2B, usually your ICP, your audiences are much more, I would say, defined, a little bit more difficult. Sometimes they're harder to reach. And it's not as easy to do a lot of those demand generation you know, type of advertising channels and techniques because of the specificity of the audience. What happens in B2C, though, that people don't understand is, especially with these larger brands, there's been years and years, sometimes decades, of brand identity, brand persona, the evolution of that brand, so people understand it. You can use Apple as another example. A lot of people are very loyal to it, but they don't realize that there was so much work and effort going into that over time. And this is really what exactly what companies Um, you know, are missing and especially, you know, the small to mid-sized businesses, they're missing the value and the importance of doing those activities. So 
it becomes more apparent in B2C just because as consumers, that's what we see out in the world. But in B2B, it's also extremely relevant. Uh, can you tell how to create the right strategy for B2B brand? Uh, because, you know, uh, I often see in my experience when companies uh, replicate competitors, they see how what they use. But, you know, many competitors highlight their strong sides. It doesn't mean that you can use totally the same. You need to find uh, their weaknesses and your strong side. Any insights how to create the right brand strategy? So it's really interesting. Five years ago, it was all about what I would call product features, especially in SaaS and, and B2B product offerings. And you would see on websites and go-to-market campaigns, you would see the typical website and what I call the typical chart. You have, you know, where we are and you have competitor A and B and you have the checklist. We have these features. They have those features and we're better. And that's how it used to be about five years ago. And it still is, you know, that to a certain degree. But now what's happening in B2B is people are really doing a lot more storytelling. Really, what's the pain of the consumer? And they're treating B2B go to market almost very more similar like B2C where storytelling and stories and really, you know, really connecting with your ICP, with your audience, really digging down on your target audiences and making that connection. And that's been the difference and the evolution in B2B. So B2B has had to play catch up. It's really kind of been, I would say, the stepchild. It's played catch up. But now we're at an arena where marketing leaders and not just marketing, but revenue leaders, commercial leaders are really understanding the value of storytelling and how that can make the connection and thus drive more revenue. Yeah, you remind me uh, an interesting story uh, when Tim Cook shared about a new Apple Watch. After that, I bought three pairs for my son, for my wife, for myself, because, you know, I can't buy only for me. You know, they probably kill me. But, you know, uh, it's interesting when he shared three stories without uh, a lot of features. He shared his stories how this Apple Watch can decide my problems, how they can simplify my life. Uh, many different aspects that touch my mind, and I got the feeling of owning this Apple Watch. Right now, the Atlantic Ocean owns my Apple Watch. Things happen, but you know, interesting that uh, after consuming this story, I bought uh, these uh, Apple Watches for me and my family. Can you tell how to craft such stories? Because, you know, I found that, you know, uh, sometimes it's interesting to consume, to learn, to uh, read a new story. But most stories are boring. You know, <laughs> you know people bounce fast. Uh, according to many data, I don't remember exactly uh, the number, but uh, like 80% uh, of people can bounce, you know, for a few seconds, uh, any content online. So any insights how to uh, catch their attention and retain longer? It's a really great question. And I agree with you. A lot of the stories have been boring previously, and we've all seen them online. You go to YouTube and, you know, before you hit the skip button on the ad, you see this ridiculous story of, kind of what I call the chintzy royalty-free music going around and you see some animation which is really boring and you can't understand what they're saying. The reason that this happens is because people that are putting these stories out are focusing on the internal problems of their business and they're not focusing on the actual consumer. That's why there's a disconnect. 
that's changing though. And so, like I said, now that B2B is playing catch up and we're starting to do more kind of consumer focused storytelling type marketing, what we're seeing now is real people talking about real problems and real issues. And so I can give you, you know, some examples. There have been companies that have done campaigns about mental health for men, for example, and how it's important to support men, you know, in the workplace, really showing their feelings, being vulnerable, and how that can be a strength. There's been other campaigns that have been done about postpartum depression and how that should be spoken about. So when consumers look at this, they're saying, oh my gosh, I understand. That's me. You know, that's somebody that I know. And so people really are making that connection. And because they've made that connection, all of a sudden it becomes valuable to them. And then they're really listening. Okay, well, what else do you have to say? You know, it really gives a level of credibility. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. Okay, uh, Angela, I have the question about uh, your company, Latana, uh, your CEO of this company. And uh, I open profile on LinkedIn and I see AI power brand tracking. Can you tell how you use AI to track uh, brands online? Sure. So to do that, I'll just really briefly explain how we get the information. How it used to be, many moons ago is you would have something called a focus group and it would be a people around a table and you know you would collect the information then it moved to that to what's called quota sampling and in quota sampling i always give the example real example um, we had a client in new york city they were a pet food company and they said we want to know specific information about this target audience women of a certain age in new york city own chihuahuas they just want that particular demographic. So in quota sampling, they would go in and try to find every single one of that particular target audience and ask a question. It can be very long and very time consuming and very expensive. What we've done at Latana is we use mobile phones. And I noticed that you were holding up your mobile phone early in our conversation. A lot of people around the world have mobile devices. It's easy to access these individuals via third-party sites, whether it's video games, advertising, shopping, etc. So we're using a mobile optimized survey platform to be able to really dissect and get quickly information from people. And we use a personalization technique to be able to do it. Um, we have, and this is where the AI part comes in, in the background once we collect that information, when you're collecting millions and millions of responses, how do you process them? How do you synthesize it? How do you make sure all the outliers, all the bots, all the spam, all the professional survey takers, those people are thrown out of the data pool set. So this is where the machine learning comes in in the background, automatically weeds it out. It also automatically does predictions and projections of certain demographic based on all the data that we're collecting. So think of a constant data engine running and in each location around the world, we'll start to know things and we'll start to understand things about the different audiences in that location. So that's a little bit um, high level about how we do it. Nice, nice. And what do you think about uh, chat GPT? Because the last time it's a hot topic, you know, uh, I got a lot of questions online, <laughs> probably, uh, I don't know, many articles every single day appealed about uh, chat GPT. Your uh, thoughts about that? Do we need to use it or it's better to uh, use something else? <laughs> 
It's so cool. Um, I actually just signed up for it this morning from OpenAI. I've seen so many ads about it. I said, I'm going to sign up for this thing. I know they're still under beta mode. I signed up for it and I just started asking simple questions like, you know, tell me the you know history of the planet, you know, write me a poem, testing it. And then I started to use it for, you know, some marketing things. I said, okay, you know, write me some headlines about this. And I actually started writing headlines. I'm like, this is cool. Um, OpenAI also has another sector, not just ChatGPT. They also have a, I'll call it an artistic uh, kind of section of it called Deal, I think, or Dell. Um, something like this, D-E-L-L-E, -L -L -E, yeah. Um, and so if you look at this section um, of it, you can actually say, you know, show me an oil painting with a cat on a skateboard, you know, some wherever, and it will actually paint that picture for you. And I've tested it out on so many things. So you have these two sections intermerging of content creation merged with design formulation. And so this is the cool thing. The implications that it's gonna have in the community is going to be massive. Over the next five years, we're probably gonna see tons of jobs change. We're already seeing that right now with paid advertising which also leads into the things that you know I just talked about as far as brand perception and brand performance, because it's going to become more about the storytelling and less about the demand gen, because the demand gen, it's already going to be done for us through Google, through maybe possibly chat GPT, who knows, but this, the, this AI revolution is going to do that for us. So we have to become much more intelligent and strategic about how we're doing things on the design side of it huge implications i mean think about you don't need a painter anymore prop you know even a designer possibly i mean what is that going to do to the tons and tons of jobs out there is a huge open question but this is just getting started i recommend everyone to go in and try it just so you can see you know how it works what it would do but it, it really blew me away and yeah the implications are endless yeah yeah i agree i agree uh, we need to adapt faster than competitors can do because for example you know i remember when uber uh appealed uh, after that a million uh, accounting uh, lost their jobs because of new technology uh it can happen with ai chat gpt new version chat gpt4 because you know bing is going to use chat gpt in search results uh, because Bing invested a million dollars, uh, a billion dollars, yeah, a billion dollars uh, to uh, open AI, and uh, in May they are going to uh, change a search engine game. We'll see how it works. Uh, and uh, what I found one interesting feature on ChatGPT that uh, many people ignore. You know, uh, it helped. You know, uh, you can translate any text to any different language. Uh, I used um a few texts from english to ukrainian and russian because uh, i i know these languages and i found that i don't need to edit anything you know just complete text awesome yeah awesome feature i i love it and uh you mentioned about personalization that uh your tool can help to personalize message with ai can you tell more about that because today uh you know for example 10 years ago i set up all marketing campaigns myself. I didn't use uh, special skills. I just registered in Google Ads, uh, paid 
5,000 some per click, you know, and that worked well. Today, it costs like five ten dollars <laughs> i can't do it without personalization without considering uh customer preferences tell how your tool can personalize because you mentioned about personalization ai how you use a personalization in your tool what our tool does is it really narrows down on the target audiences to such a detail that then any company can take that information and use it to personalize their strategy campaign, go to market, country launch, et cetera. The use cases are endless. What we have found is true company here in Germany, where we're based, our company, we have a prominent client that came to us and said, we're looking at thinking of launching in the United States. We think this is our target audience. This is our go to market. Can you please verify? And so we thought we were doing a verification exercise and we were going to give them, you know, a couple of extra, you know, pieces of data. What we actually found is the target audience that they thought was it was not it. And it was actually a different segment that was the core target audience and had the match to what they wanted their brand identity to be, but also what they wanted it to be in the future. So this was a, a really key piece of information because if they would have gone to market with their old strategy, it would have completely failed. So when I say personalization, personalization means that you have core data that's correct and it matches the target audience. Otherwise, it's not personalized. And this is really where companies tend to fail. And especially small to mid-sized companies, when they're expanding rapidly, they usually think that what worked in one market will work in another not correct. They usually think what works at the beginning will also work at later stages of growth or different scalabilities of growth, not correct. So this is really the value, you know, of our platform and, and yeah, where we can be a creative. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. Well done. Okay, let's talk about uh, brand tracking. Uh, can you tell uh, which metrics uh, all companies need to track today online? Sure. Um, so we start with the basics of the brand funnel. So we have brand awareness. It's amazing how many companies don't even start with brand awareness. What's the awareness of, you know, your brand to the target audience, you know, that you're identifying. It's amazing how many companies, especially small to mid-sized companies that are trying to grow fast, they just skip this entirely. Usually what happens is they will run a demand gen campaign. They will find some ROI, some quick traction, and then they'll just keep doing it. And then they'll hit a wall and then they figured out that they weren't on the right path to begin with. But that's the first one, brand awareness. Then we go down the funnel, preference, consideration, et cetera. We also do associations. This one's really important. So for example, if your company, if your brand identity, you think that you are progressive and you know cool and let's say sustainable and you have some you know, ESG goals that you're trying to hit and then you ask your core audience, do you think our company is successful and sustainable and all of this? And they say, no, that's a problem. So it really gives you those markers to identify that. The other thing that we offer is also customized questions. This is really interesting because what it does is it gives you the ability to ask questions, propensity type of questions. So let's say we had real case, we had a, a producer of mattresses. So there's only a couple of them in the world, but every so often you move into a flat, you buy a house, you have to buy a mattress. They were able to ask a question, when are you going to, are you looking to purchase a home in the next 12 months? Are you looking to move in the next 12 months? These are propensity buying questions. And so we're able to do high level in the brand perception and then all the way down 
through the buying type questions. Oh yeah, nice, nice. Okay, uh, let's talk about, for example, if I found that something is wrong with my uh, reputation online, uh, can you tell what to do and how you can help to lead businesses in the right direction to fix something? Because many things happen, you know, uh, I know that some brands can make mistakes. I usually make a lot of mistakes. Yeah, for me, it's hard to count how many mistakes I made a lot a lot i keep doing them because i, I learn from mistakes you know uh, any insights how to fix if uh, someone got a negative reputation online you know i would say it's a little tricky because the reputation is is a difference between what's happening in the pr arena and then also your brand identity so i'll give the nike example because everybody you know knows nike they have a great brand but let's say something happens with you know a sports player that they have sponsored and it you know hits their brand reputation that's not an issue with their brand identity it's an issue what's happening in the pr arena so i want to make sure that the listeners and the viewers of this program understand that these are two integrated working pieces what we do at latana is we can get to the specifics of what moves the needle on your brand what resonates with people what are they responding to we can't fix a reputation if there's outside influences that are coming in but what we can do is we can say these are the things that your customers really respond to align your brand there and you're going to have success so think of it as a a bellwether a trajectory and a strategy but that would also correlate if you're looking at reputation building that would also correlate with a really strong pr program mm -hmm. yeah yeah it works well yeah okay Angela, i have the question about common mistakes can you list mistakes that companies still do and how to find a much better way? You know, the first one is as conventional, as simplistic as it sounds, is a lot of companies these days don't focus on brand mm -hmm. at all. And there's been yeah. a lot of companies that have actually boasted and they've said, we've gotten to this ARR you know, level without doing any marketing or without doing any brand at all. And even though they've been able to be successful, usually what happens is it's the old fashioned way of just going out and hardcore selling. And yes, that could move the needle, but is that going to get you to the next level? And there's always that saying, what got you here will not get you there. And so when you talk about scalability and growth and in this economic climate, everybody's trying to do more with less, everybody's trying to get you know, the acquisition costs down, but then they're also trying to scale you know, rapidly. It's really important to have the brand and the brand identity. What I always say is when you spend on brand, it's the gift that keeps giving over and over and over again. And it's very different than traditional demand generation methods, which I understand why a lot of people do them. They want quick ROI. They want, you know, an equation saying I spend $1 euro, you know, or British pound and you get, you know, five back, for example. It's a self-feeding mechanism, though, when you stop doing it then those results aren't happening brand is something that you can do and as you build it it will continue to grow exponentially so the biggest piece of feedback i can say is make sure you have your brand identity in place don't overlook it it's actually the foundation of what you need to build not the afterthought yeah yeah agree you know you remind me a few of my clients when i told them you know nobody cares about your brand and they replied to me, I need SEO traffic. Please give me SEO traffic. So, you know, uh, it's really hard today 
to provide results if nobody cares about your brand if zero searches if people uh, are not interested with your brand but if you have some strong brand recognition yeah of course it's possible to use marketing channels because uh, we can't cheat consumers consumers can uh, search online if they see nike uh, puma an unrecognizable brand i don't know <laughs> they can buy from unrecognizable brand because yeah you need to bring value to help uh, to create brand awareness and then you can sell yeah and uh, provide marketing campaigns i agree with that you know on your linkedin profile uh, company i found smarter tools better marketing decisions can you tell me why your tools are smarter than we have online i i think you have a lot of competitors but uh, tell about your unique selling position why your tools are smarter than we have online you know it's really the space that we're playing in and it's really interesting it goes back to the original i would say market situation so we sit in the middle between demand generation on one side which there's tools there's tons of tools for demand generation and then on the other side you have you know what's called social listening share a voice so this is your twitter your social media and you know what different keywords are trending but in the middle there's nothing for brand perception and brand performance and this is where the arena gets very narrow and usually what we see in the marketplace is we have big and small companies coming to us we've killed seo we've you know um you know we're killing it at demand generation but we're just not able to connect with our audience and now we've hit a plateau and we can't put any more money into the paid marketing machine because the cac is going to be too high and what do we do now and this is the most common problem that we see and so this is where i say smarter tools better marketing decisions what our tool gives our companies is the perception of the performance of their actual brand marketing and brand spend where you can say how much your awareness has grown and you can actually start tying that to different campaigns that you've done different launches in different markets different channel levers that you're using we do the percep the perception the consideration the brand funnel the associations all of this and the reason it's better marketing decisions is because it's a holistic system so just like i was saying a little bit before on your show where companies will get to that wall they'll hit the wall and they won't know what to do and the first question we ask them is do you have a brand identity have you evolved your brand 8 out of 10 times they say no and we're like well that's your problem number 1 and then usually what happens is when they start to do that they realize oh my gosh i was spending all this money on performance marketing and we were targeting the wrong people yes we got some customers then but the reason we kept spending more and more money and we didn't get the roi back is because we didn't have the right target audience to begin with yeah nice nice uh you know i, I like another quote on your linkedin profile make better marketing decisions you know i think it's very important to make the right decisions uh sometimes we can fail that's okay but you know it's better to uh decrease the chance of failing and uh, uh it's important today for example uh, i have clients who asked me uh how to choose the right marketing decisions uh to choose the right channel uh can you tell how your tool can help with that how to, we can make the right marketing decisions because many marketing campaigns take time like it's not you know uh, uh when someone asked me 
how to get results uh, tomorrow or for a week, I, I usually reply, I don't know. I, I can't help. Sorry, <laughs> find someone else who, who knows because I don't know. So uh, uh, most marketing campaigns take time, even paid marketing. But uh, how to make uh, the right marketing decisions uh, and decrease the chance of failure? <laughs> So marketing is about knowing your audience and about telling the right stories at the right time. These are the elements that make up marketing. I'm oversimplifying it completely, but these are the building stones. What happens usually is that companies, like I said, they're doing one channel and they just try it because they think it's popular. For example, if somebody asked a marketing leader, what's your favorite channel? I hate that question because it's not about what my favorite channel is, it's about what matters to consumers. So this is again where we talk about our tool helps you identify your target audiences and not only that, what do your target audiences really care about? So I'll give you an example. Um, let's say you're in FinTech and you have a banking app, a consumer banking app, and let's say we identify your audience as 20 you know, to 25 year olds, for example, true story, and what do they care about? What are the channels that they use? Maybe your marketing decision is to go after them on TikTok, to go after them you know, with you know, referral codes, et cetera. Maybe that same technique won't work on 40 to 50 year olds. So these are the better marketing decisions that will come about once you have the insights on your audience. And again, it's the insights on your audience that usually is missing. And this is the big piece that a lot of companies don't really focus on. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I remember, you know, once I decided to use data from my website on YouTube channel and uh, I failed because the audience is different on YouTube channel. Uh, users are looking for ways to learn something new on my website the other services <laughs> on LinkedIn uh, they are different some of them are looking for jobs so yeah it's better to consider that uh, people even the same people have different mindset by using different platforms uh, so if I open LinkedIn uh, I uh, I have different mood than if I'm using Facebook or Instagram or TikTok because uh, yeah for example TikTok I I just wanna fun you know <laughs> to watch this uh, interesting videos uh, yeah why not <laughs> okay uh, actually I have the question about uh, can you tell uh, how today uh, to create the right strategy uh, considering your competitors and your unique selling proposition. Any insights about that? Because you mentioned a lot about personalization, about uh, analyzing uh, market. But for example, if I get this analysis, how to create the right strategy, uh, especially if we have limited resources. So we can't uh, take all channels, we can't cover all marketing campaigns. And I love focusing. Uh, tell how to find this focus. So it really comes down to, especially if you don't have a lot of budget to use, it really comes down to trying to find some kind of differentiation or some kind of competitive advantage, of course, that your competitors don't have. So let's say you have your ICP down, let's say you have all your value propositions down, your pricing's competitive, et cetera, and you're still losing clients. Is there something else? And this is where you sometimes have to jump out of the traditional digital, I would say, practices 
and look at your entire value chain, your end-to-end -end sales process and your cycle and really figure out, <laughs> really figure out, um, you know, what competitive advantage can be had. And I'll give you an example. Many years ago, when I was at Amazon, we were trying to compete against Alibaba in China. Um, Amazon had failed the first time. We're going for the second attempt. And of course, you know, Amazon being the biggest e-commerce player, we're thinking maybe it should be a digital play. Very cute. <laughs> maybe it should be a digital play. You know, what should we do? But we went through the entire end-to-end -end sales process and we said, okay, we can't beat Alibaba in China itself on brand. Alibaba is just too well-known and too well-trusted. We couldn't necessarily beat them on price, or if we did, it wouldn't give us the margins at all. But what we could do is customer delivery and customer service. And so we did a go-to-market cash on delivery. So we did a competitive advantage there, and then we started to win market share by doing that. So sometimes it's, it's using the entire sales process and the entire sales approach. But if you have your value propositions you know, already in place and you've tested them you know, and they're working, if the pricing is there, you know, the ICP you know, is correct and you understand, and you know, the holy grail, the product market fit is there, if all those other elements are there, then I would say go back through from the very beginning, beginning to end on your total sales cycle and try to figure out if there's anything that you can differentiate. Nice, nice. Yeah, love it, love it. Uh, I have the question. Uh, let's imagine you started from scratch without any experience, knowledge, skills. You're not CEO of the company. So what will you do today to learn more about marketing research? You know, my answer is probably not as conventional. Although I know a lot of people will recommend books and you know, they'll recommend certain websites. The information is out there. So for people that, you know, want to search that information, what I would say is become a buyer in every kind of situation. Practice yourself as a buyer because the whole idea between marketing and making, you know, great revenue growth is about putting yourself inside the mind of an actual customer. Go buy through different channels. Go through that process. What actually resonates to you about different ads? So for myself, for example, we're experimenting with TikTok. You know, my current company, we do B2B. So TikTok's normally not so, so much B2B, but I'm combing through everything. How, you know, are people advertising? If I was a consumer, would I resonate with this? How would this work? So, you know, I would say flip it over to the other side and be a consumer of everything. Go through all the experiences, put yourself in the mind of a consumer that's the single best thing that you can do and the thing that I think will move the needle the most. Nice. Uh, I love it. Let me tell you why, you know, because uh, people often limit their possibilities because of some common thinking. For example, TikTok is only for uh, B2C. No way. Why not? I know uh, big brands can use TikTok to create brand awareness, to find customers. Because uh, in the end, you need to create content for TikTok users and relate to your products. Why not? So uh, you don't need to dance to scene. Uh, just be yourself, you know, to create content that related to you. Because uh, the best content on TikTok is not about dancing or uh, singing. Yeah. Many great content creators uh, can't do it, but they get million views, uh, a lot of results. And uh, um, yeah, uh, for me, it's, it's important to find channels where you uh, enjoy 
creating content, why not? <laughs> if you can do it on TikTok, why not? Just do it. <laughs> uh, sometimes we need to be uh, themselves than, uh, you know, trying to copy someone else. <laughs> okay, Angela, I have the question about the future. Can you predict the future in uh, brand tracking? Uh, because many things are coming, metaverse, augmented reality. Um, I still get the question, is SEO that is, uh, uh, I don't know, Instagram that and similar questions. Uh, what kind of future will be and how to adapt today to this future? Well, before we get to B2B, I'll definitely put in my two cents about Instagram. I think Instagram will die. <laughs> so <laughs> it will die. And there will be probably something in the next, I don't know, two to five years that will probably, you know, take that over. And I think we've seen social media platforms, you know, really transform every five years or so. So, you know, we're up, we're about due for the next one. Um, the trends in B2B, so B2B is going to become even bigger. We're now seeing B2B companies advertise OOH. They're advertising out of home. They're doing, you know, the big billboard campaigns, for example, that normally was just reserved, you know, for B2C. Um, we're definitely going to see more social commerce. And I've been writing about this for years, just when social commerce first started to get started. Um, you could, you know, do checkout actually through Instagram. You're now seeing social commerce, everything you're seeing high user generated content. So all of this will continue. Your question about you know, AI taking over, it will. It's, it's just not an if, but when, it will take over. And as that happens, the brand storytelling is going to become so much more important, the brand identity. Because we're gonna have the algorithms in place, the personalization in place, the you know, AI in place to understand you know, all of the personalization techniques, to understand all of the pricing caps when you're doing bidding, you know, to understand all of those little key metrics and levers, what's going to be left is what I call the strategic mind and the strategic mindset of the why and why do people care? That's something that AI can't do. That's something that we still are going to have control over and it's actually the most important thing. And then you, as AI continues to take over, um, what will happen is we can direct that which it will be really nice. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, you know, AI can surprise many times. It's better to adopt today. Uh, we don't know how it will work, but uh, definitely some occupations can disappear. Uh, and we saw this before many times, you know, that's okay. It's evolution. Uh, and if you learn about that, if you can adapt, I think, uh, and uh, you mentioned that Instagram will die. Uh, I remember when Jeff Bezos uh, told on his meeting that uh, Amazon will be bankrupt one day uh, because uh, nothing can be forever. <laughs> it depends. But uh, today, Instagram has strong positions. Amazon has strong positions. And we'll see people change behaviors. New companies uh, can uh, overtake old companies. That's okay. You know, it's part of evolution uh angel it's a big pleasure to get on my show to learn from you tell our audience how they can re reach out to you learn more about you follow you sure so you can reach out to me on linkedin you can follow me on linkedin and you can learn more about brand tracking and brand performance at latana.com okay guys you can find all these links in the description below listen to us on apple google spotify thanks again for your time a big pleasure i love all your insights so valuable guys you need to follow angela on linkedin because you can see a lot of value okay guys love you see you 
Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.